I'm Jenny Castro, and this is the Holding It Together podcast. Today we've got the second of three Women Doing Theology shorts. I know. These episodes have not turned out to be particularly short, so please excuse the misnomer. We're using these episodes to introduce our main stage speakers at the upcoming Women Doing Theology conference in Elkhart, Indiana. Our theme is talking about a revolution, dialogue, practice, and the work of liberation. And to help us explore that theme a bit more holistically, we've invited speakers from distinct places across the country with quite a variety of expertise and experience. These are truly inspirational women. To find out more about our speakers or anything else related to the conference, visit our website at MennoniteUSA.org slash WDT18. Dr. Melinda Elizabeth Berry is a theologian and a member of the faculty at Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary in Elkhart, Indiana. We are absolutely overjoyed that Dr. Berry said yes to our invitation to present this year at the conference. Y'all... Meet Melinda. So I was born and raised in Goshen, Indiana. My parents moved to Elkhart County because their lives became connected with Goshen College. My mother had graduated from there and was teaching in the teacher ed department. And then my dad had a job teaching in the history and political science department. So being deeply connected to kind of Mennonite church institutions has been a pretty significant shaper in my life. I ended up going to Bethany Christian High School. I have an older brother and a younger sister, and we all went there. And then I also ended up going to Goshen College. And then I ended up several years later attending Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary. When I was at Goshen, I studied history and English. And then when I came to seminary, I worked on the Master of Arts and Peace Studies. These things end up being pretty significant. So part of my experience of being at a Mennonite high school was we had Bible class. And and I remember sitting in a class, I might have been like 11th or 12th grade at that point. And I was really interested in and really focused on and maybe even mildly obsessed by this question, well, like, what are we supposed to believe? And I would also say, too, that at that point, I was more focused on what does it mean to be a Mennonite than what does it mean to be a Mennonite Christian? I had a sense that we were Christians, but being Mennonite was maybe a little bit more important than being Christian, almost, because of the ethnic subcultural layers of, of this identity. But of course, being a person of mixed race background, that had another kind of interesting overlay to it that I think I developed a strong sense as I was also developing this sense of being intensely interested in kind of what is it that Mennonites believe that it's important to really honor this theological heritage that we have of believers baptism or that you don't get to just be a Mennonite because you have this sort of ethnic history. This is about confessing a particular form of Christianity. And if you don't, you're not a Mennonite anymore. 
But coming out of sort of a Mennonite congregation, attending Mennonite educational institutions, I still came away with this kind of package or the sort of narrative that emphasized these various points and moments in ways I didn't find theologically compelling. So I, I wanted to study peace theology. I wanted to really dig into and have a better understanding of this tradition that I had inherited and was starting to feel like it was a little bit theologically shallow. Now, I didn't quite have that language at the time, but developed that once I was in my PhD program at Union Seminary in New York. What propelled me into theology, again, having grown up in this Mennonite community, gone to all of these Mennonite schools, this is going to sound really strange, but I had never been asked to give an account of the gospel. I was baptized when I was 16, and I became a member of the church, but I had never been asked how I interpret and understand and apply in my own life or in the life of the world, the meaning of the good news that Jesus brought into the world. So this became then kind of my new obsession. So I ended up in systematic constructive theology. So this was also a point of concern. I'm going to Union and people were like, Union, it's pretty liberal there, right? Like, what's that about? And I was like, you know, what's this about? Just because there are Black people and feminists there, this is a problem. I don't quite get this. I think that was another piece of my experience that all throughout this education that I had received that was deeply meaningful to me, the only professor of color I ever had was my dad. But I needed to attend to my racial formation. And nobody around me had a sense of that. And so that's how I ended up going to Union to study with Dolores Williams and James Cone, among others. And a piece of what that meant for me was I finally learned to be much more fluent in the language of theology. That then brought a new set of questions around identity, because as I was working with Dr. Cohn, because of how he had kind of cut his teeth becoming a Black liberation theologian, he didn't quite understand sort of the multiplicity of identities that I was bringing to the work that I was doing. He said, you have to decide if you are Black, a woman, or a Mennonite. That was his big thing. I struggled with that, and I didn't want to have to choose. For me, this was about trying to integrate identities. And so I ended up shifting to a different doctoral advisor and finishing my dissertation with Gary Dorian, who's a social ethicist. Part of what I loved about working with Gary was that I had this freedom to use my own subjectivity as my starting point. I became a theologian because I think Mennonites in the United States have very underdeveloped theological vocabulary, and I wanted to learn that vocabulary for myself. I became a theologian because this was the kind of discourse I wanted to use to serve the church. It's also for me deeply intellectually and spiritually satisfying to be a theologian. You know, I often tell people that studying theology has made me a better Christian, a more pious Christian. I've learned to use the language of the gospel. I can work as a Mennonite 
an Anabaptist theologian with this kind of eclectic identity and offer something that I think is resonant with our tradition, historically speaking, and offers something hopeful, something that approximates good news in our present moment to get us thinking about where we're going, like what's the future, and that this is about receiving something from the past for the present as a gift to the future. In becoming a theologian, I found the language that helps me be a better Christian. Yeah, I was really excited to hear the conference theme because I'm a Tracy Chapman fan. And so I recognized that lyric right away. So that got me back into listening to some of her music because as a parent with young children, my days have become kind of full of music together and children's songs. So as I've been thinking about and preparing myself for this gathering, which I'm so glad, this movement of of Anabaptist women getting together to do theology in the many ways that we do and live our beliefs is happening again and that I get to be a part of it. I've been thinking about the relationship of revolution and revelation. Revelation is one of these doctrines that when you study systematics is super important because oftentimes that's the first thing. How is it that we can know anything about God? Well, God has to reveal something to us. I really like the song in the Sing the Story book that's a version of the Magnificat by Rory Cooney about, the, you know, the world is about to turn. And thinking about Mary's song as a form of this revelation where God communicates something to us about who God is and what God's interested in. And that that, that, that revelation is revolutionary. Learning and receiving a powerful insight about who God is turns the world around. So revelation as revolution. My younger sister taught at Notre Dame for a while after having been at Goshen College as well. So she had this very interesting opportunity to juxtaposition teaching in a Catholic institution and a Mennonite institution. And I remember going over to visit her one day on campus at Notre Dame, and she showed us some of the classrooms where she teaches, and there's a crucifix in each one. I thought, what? I said, what is this? She's like, well, it's a Catholic institution. I was like, oh, okay. And she said, now we don't have to have a crucifix in our office, but in the classrooms, absolutely. So I started to probe a little bit and ask her a few questions about that. And she said, you know, actually one of the things that's really nice about teaching here is that the Catholics believe in hierarchy. Decision-making is clear. People know what their role and what their authority is. So she said, you know, I may not like a decision, but I know it's clear and I know it's final. And she was contrasting that with um, what she had seen and experienced of, of Mennonite institutions, again, having, you know, grown up in this milieu where there's all kinds of ambivalence around how one uses power and authority, how one understands one's role in relationship to one's peers, how one understands hierarchy or avoids hierarchy. I take some hope from the way I see people stepping into some of their own power rather than allowing their sense of power to be defined 
by these organizations that actually aren't really interested in defining how much power people have. I remember being in a conversation in my workplace at AMBS where we were having a mild debate, shall we say, around social media and what does it look like for us to develop a social media policy. And a piece of what emerged in that conversation was that social media is an expression of community. And just like all expressions of community, it can be a place where we experience betrayal. One of my mentors spoke to this point by inviting us to remember that in Jesus' original community of disciples, he wasn't betrayed just once by Judas. He was betrayed by Peter too, right? And so what does it mean for us as Anabaptist Mennonites who crave community, who believe so strongly in Christian community to remember that a piece of the fabric of community involves being misunderstood and conflict and being disappointed. So for me, there's some hope in that, that we don't have to believe that our church is perfect and we'll get it right every time. And I think sometimes that's where some of this conflict comes from that we experience. This expectation that people in charge will get it right and they won't hurt our feelings, that the process will always be good. Actually, none of that is true. <laughs> and this has been something that I've needed to allow myself to be liberated by this message that there isn't a perfect process. And so I can criticize other people for not doing things the way I think that it should have been done. But this is maybe the shadow side of diversity that we get to dance with. There isn't one way to do something. There isn't one way to be. And for me, this deeper experience of church can be found in this basic affirmation that congregations don't need to all be alike or look alike. And yet we can still affirm that God is at work in that community of people. Being able to trust that this community of people has discerned what the spirit is saying to them and how they are to be church. And then the rest of us kind of backing off a little bit or figuring out then how do we enter into a theological conversation where there are differences rather than this kind of like crazy messed up thing where we're trying to get into each other's heads about like, what do you really believe? And are you really Orthodox? And like getting tripped up on all this stuff. So the possibility of true community, to use a phrase from M. Scott Peck, is something that, that also kind of gives me hope. And I think a vision for that starts to emerge when people who embody this difference stay put. If you haven't already, please make plans to attend Women Doing Theology. We'll be talking about a revolution together with Dr. Barry and our other presenters, Reverend Wyvette Blair and Carolina Hinojosa Cisneros. And of course, all of you. Find out all about the conference and register at MennoniteUSA.org WDT18.
And be on the lookout for the last Women Doing Theology short. That's coming up soon with Reverend Wyvette Blair. This episode was produced by me, Jenny Castro, with editing help from Shay Langley. Our theme music was written and recorded by singer-songwriter Addie Lipty. To find more music by Addie, look for Addie in the Subtracks on Facebook or Addie Lipty on YouTube. Holding It Together is a joint production of Mennonite Church USA's Office of Women in Leadership and the Mennonite Inc. Look for us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Fireside, or wherever you prefer. I'm Jenny Castro. Thanks for listening, y'all. Talk soon. Say